Hello and welcome to the Snippets of Leadership podcast. Hello everyone, welcome to yet another Leadership Masterclass. My guest today has been working with 61 different sectors, all looking at change in some way or another. So we're talking strategy implementation, we're talking cultural change, we're talking M&A, we're talking leadership development. This person has been looking at the idea of change from quite a lot of different perspectives, and I'm eager to hear everything that he is going to talk to us about. He's also recently authored his latest book, Leverage Change. Quite excited to have my guest today. Please welcome Jake Jacobs. Jake, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you, Eduardo. I really appreciate the opportunity. Great. Great. I also appreciate your time and eager to start talking about things with you in general. So let me just hit you with the very first question. Um, because you work on change on a quite wide range, like quite systematically. You enable change, you work with different companies. So after going through all of this, I know you've developed your own method of work. So maybe can you tell us a bit more about it? What does it mean to you? How do you approach things in general? Sure. So, um, Eduardo, um, my method of change, I, I think I would call it a framework. Now, this is not just semantics to me. <clears throat> They're not just um, different words. Uh, a method to me uh, implies that there are uh, steps to follow, that there's a process to follow, and that if we if we do this well, things will work. A framework, then, is something that we can work within. And by work within, I mean that we have the freedom and the flexibility to do what we think is the right thing at any given point in time. So leverage change, which is what I've distilled after 35 years of working in this field, if we think of it as a lens to look through. So the reality is the same, but I'm not gonna say to you, you need to follow a formula that I've given you. What I'm gonna say is I'm gonna give you eight different lenses to look through at the work that you're doing. And then based on that, figure out what makes sense. So one of the levers, and be, think of these as uh, smart strategic actions, because the, the benefit of them is sure. that um, they, they don't cost a lot. They cost a, a paradigm shift in, in the way that you're thinking. But from a standpoint of, of financial or talent or something like that, so. One of them is called start with impact, follow the energy. And what this means is that you have both the, the right and the responsibility as a change leader to be able to identify where's the right place to start my work. Where are people ready to do my work or where are people not ready to do my work, but it will make a big difference if we're able to get a beachhead, able to make progress in a particular area of the organization. That's all part of the framework. So I think it's really important for your listeners to understand the difference between a fixed formula and a flexible framework. So if I understand correctly, like um, your framework, as you frame it, is basically a way of looking at any situation which is unique by definition and have, like you call them lenses. Um, I could if I understand them correctly, I would look at them as points of view. 
So different ways, different perspectives to look at a situation and on the basis on the basis of the results of that observation uh, via those eight uh, lenses, perspectives, points yep. of view, you decide what to do. You decide what makes sense. Absolutely. And, and the decision of what makes sense is a collaborative decision. So I'm also not saying that you, you, you know, sort of do what we call in the States uh, a lone ranger, which is uh, I'll go make this decision on my own. I'll go off or even a small group of leaders who happen to be, um, you know, higher up in the, in the organization's uh, 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 functions and so forth. What I'm saying is, is that you get a cross section of people from the organization where there's collective wisdom and a lot of experience. And part of that is even getting people who are brand new to the organization. But you want to get kind of a mini organization to be able to look at the system and be able to make some decisions. And then the next really important thing is what I call short learning loops. By short learning loops, what I mean, if you think of a sailboat tacking, it's tacking frequently. So we're not going to take one path and follow it for a long distance of time because we may be off chart, we may be off course. And so by doing these rapid tacking or what I call rapid prototyping, to be able to try things and see what the impact is, try things, see what the impact is. And in that way, continue the, 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 the uh, fastest distance between two lines is a straight line. So as straight as we can make that, moving back and forth and thinking strategically about what's going to help this organization make the changes it needs to make, that's what the core of this approach is about. Very interesting. And um, I'm guessing there is going to be also quite a lot of uh, skill development involved in there. But before I get there, there is something else that I, want, that I made a mental note of, because um, you mentioned um, in the, like what you were talking right now, and also in a previous conversation that you and I had, the term paradigm. Um, yeah. Can you dig a bit deeper into it? Because uh, you mentioned it twice. And I, what does that mean, actually, for something for someone who doesn't know your method? And how, yeah. how is so, that relevant? Yeah. So, so a paradigm I think of as a way of seeing the world. It's a way of making sense of whatever dynamics you're dealing with. Now, we're talking about organizations, teams, and individuals and change. And so the paradigm is how I make sense of the world. So, for example, the what I call uncommon wisdom of leverage change, because there's common wisdom that everybody takes for granted. And this is where I think there are opportunities in the world of change. So here's an example. One of the things that's common wisdom is that the future is something that occurs at a later point in time. Now, this probably doesn't sound earthbreaking to your audience uh, or even possibly to you because a later we're in the present and then we'll wait and the future eventually will unfold for us that's common wisdom leverage change takes uncommon wisdom what it says is the future is something that's here to be lived now what do i mean by that well one of the levers deals with change being too slow and the lever is think and act as if the future were now. So what we say is get some image of what that future is that you prefer 
and then start thinking and acting as if that future were now. So I recently gave a presentation at a conference. One of the things I do in these presentations is I bring somebody up front, a volunteer, and I have five minutes with the countdown clock. And in that five minutes, I have the levers available to me, these lenses, and they have their situation. And at the end of the five minutes, I'm meant to have added value for them. They're meant to be clearer. They're meant to be more motivated. They know what they need to do. Very interesting thing, this is the first time this has happened, is that this woman was brand new in her position, brand new in the organization, and the position was brand new in the organization. So when I asked her to look into the future, she could see a week. Not a year, not two years, but she could <laughs> see a week into the future. And so I said to her, that's okay. Let's take that week that you can see and let's think and act as if we were a week into the future right now. And she said, oh, I can do that. And she went ahead and she got some image of, you know, if I just got started with this change and it had to do with her team and how her team was going to work together and how they were going to get connected. So in that process, she only saw seven days into the future and with that was able, <laughs> excuse me, with that, bless you. With, with that, thank you. With that, was able to apply this principle, able to apply this lever, and say, "Let me think and act as if I were a week into the future." And even in only doing that, she made the future happen faster. And by making the future happen faster, what happens is that you start to live it sooner, and you start to get the results from it sooner. So I don't have to wait three months, six months, nine months into the future to benefit from the, the uh, uh, future happening now, I can start to collect those winning, get those results, and start using them to reinvest in the process so that, in fact, it ends up being cheaper and faster for me to think and act as if the future were now. Because if I were going to gain you know, uh, 3% to the bottom line in nine months, I gain 3% today that 3% difference becomes financial wherewithal that I can invest right here and now. I don't have to wait to get there. I make it happen today. It's interesting because right now you could, uh, listening to the, your answer, um, I could take one of two mindsets and I'm leaning towards the second one. The first one uh, would be um, that you're just talking about visualizing the future and uh, you know, working in terms of motivation and all that stuff. But I'm actually leaning towards the second one because what you were talking about uh, reminds me a lot of theory of expectations in macroeconomics where simplifying a lot, of course, uh, when you want to cause some real change in a country's economy, you start behaving as if that change had already happened. And Absolutely. encourage the behavior automatically of banks, of lenders, of other governments, etc., simplifying an awful lot uh, as if that had already happened but anyways that's for the talks that, about politics exact, economics exactly and something right else but <laughs> it's, it's it's exactly um, the same concept good means that i understood and especially that you've explained it extremely well <laughs> um, going back to the other question that i did think about um digging back into the previous answers and the mental note that notes that i had um looking behaving like this and operating change even under your guidance and under the guidance of these eight viewpoints or lenses means that you need to have 
a specific set of skills and a specific set of, um, or just maybe a general mindset. Um, some is going to be better fitted to a specific situation, some more ill-fitted, depends, of course. But right now, I have the feeling that leaders and especially middle managers are going to be playing a key role into well, whatever shift we're going to see, possibly to a hybrid work model, or we don't even know, to be honest. So in your mind, in order to facilitate this type of change in the way that you see um, offering the highest chances of success, what will be the skills that would be most needed for middle managers or even leaders at large? Okay. So, um, Eduardo, this is uh, let, let me build this out after I say it, because you're going to hear it and you're going to say, is that it? Is, is that all? Let's see. So, let's see if I say it. Let's see if you say it. I think that the <laughs> core competence for people to use leverage change effectively is to pay attention. Oh, I'm going to say I agree. <laughs> so. Paying attention, each of the levers, I've gone through and defined for a lever the problem that it solves. So if you're having this particular problem, this lever is a good one to use. So here's another example. Many times in organizations, when change comes, people are asked and, and, and they have issues with, they say, well, what's in it for me? What, what am I going to gain by making this change? And uh, I've worked in organizations that actually have a, an acronym. People, you know, organizations love acronyms. And so they call it WIFM, right? What's in it for me? Those are the uh, letters mm -hmm. and it spells WIFM. And so people have this issue. Now, a lot of people working in change will say, this is selfish, you should think about the bigger picture. You should think about your colleagues and the company. And I look at this, Eduardo, and I say, you know, this is called being human, right? We care about what happens to us. And I think that that enlightened self-interest is, is healthy. I encourage it in people. And, and I even go so far as to say, if you can't figure out how this is going to benefit you, you should think twice about whether you get on board this train and whether you care about it. Because if it's not going to help you, then who is it going to help? So the problem with WIFM has a solution. And the lever, again, is uncommon wisdom. So if you have a problem with individuals saying, what's in it for me? The, the obvious solution is to say, let me explain. Let me explain what the benefits are for you and why should you bother with this particular approach. But approaching it at the individual level is the lowest leverage approach. The high leverage approach is based on a, a, a lever that we call develop a future people want to call their own. What this does is it deals with all of these individual what's in it for me situations holistically. So it creates a future for the organization that people want to call their own. And they're involved in creating what this future looks like. So it's the right future for everybody because their voice has been heard. And when I have a future that works for me, I don't worry about what's in it for me anymore. I'm motivated to create the future and that's what's in it for me concern 
falls off the table. It goes away automatically because I want to create this future because I want to call it my own. And once that happens, it's another paradigm shift. It's a different way of looking at the situation. And it goes from a low leverage one of me trying to cre uh, uh, convince you, Eduardo, that this is going to be better for you to creating a future that's better for everybody so that they can see what it is that they want to be creating and what difference it's going to make for them individually. So this is a different way of thinking about change and it doesn't cost anything. This is something I really want to emphasize to shift, to create a future that people want to call their own. You don't have to go into your retained earnings. You don't have to take money away from stockholders. You don't have to raise the price on your customers. None of this costs anything. It's about shifting the way you're thinking. And as soon as you shift the way you're thinking, you can never not think that way again. Cool. Very interesting. Lots to think about. And obviously, the cost aspect is relevant for companies. Um, I have another question, though, that takes a slightly different angle, uh, which is the fact that um, while we were talking, preparing for, um, you know, getting to know each other, getting ready for this interview and so on, one of the things that did catch my attention was not so much your focus on change, on uh, leverage, of everything you've been talking about, but also uh, how clear you've made the point on the fact that some things should not change. Uh, yeah. During some change processes, you should keep things as they are every once in a while. Can you elaborate on that a bit? How do you find Absolutely. out what they are and Absolutely. why shouldn't they? Yeah. So I said that each of these levers or smart strategic actions addresses a problem. So the problem that many organizations deal with is called change fatigue. They're overwhelmed by the amount of change and it's not slowing down. And I, I've said, you know, every 10 years, a new futurist comes out and says things will change more in the next 10 years than they will in the hundred that have just occurred. And you can almost set your clock by this, that a new futurist will tell us this every 10 years. And so the rate of change is not going to slow down and people get overwhelmed by the amount of change. They, uh, 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 they're drowning in it. And, you know, one reorganization is followed by a new process implementation, which is followed by a new IT system. So these changes stack up on top of each other. And the anxiety that people feel from this gets in the way of productive work, not to mention gets in the way of a productive life, right? People pay this price, not just at work, but when they come home, they bring this stress with them. So there are compounding problems that come from uh, too much change. So what I do, and again, I'm going to go back to this uncommon wisdom. If you were smart, what you would do is less change. You would do the amount that people thought that they could handle. Um, the only problem with that is when the organization needs to change a lot. And changing a little is the wrong answer. It's not going to keep it competitive. It's not going to keep it successful. Um, it's not going to meet the needs of its stakeholders. So this choice about doing less is a lousy choice. So what's a better choice? Well, if you talk about change, which most people dealing with change do, I also talk about 
what not to change. Just what you were saying before. And I call it continuity. And what continuity says is that there are some things, in fact, in many organizations, it's a lot of things that need to stay the same and we need to not drop the ball, not take our eye off it so that we end up having problems with things that we did well before. The other thing that I found with my clients, Eduardo, and we have a, a group consultation program. So there are leaders of different efforts, even within the same organization. And as they start talking about what's going to stay the same, they sit up a little bit more in their chairs. Their voices get a little more animated. Their confidence increases a little bit. So as you start to take stock of what's going to stay the same, your own feeling, your emotional response to change shifts. And it becomes one where you're not overwhelmed anymore. You see the things that are going to stay the same and you can be excited about those. Those are like wins that are already in the correct column that I can take credit for. And I often tell my clients, I said, you know, because it's already working doesn't mean you don't get credit for it. You already have gotten credit for it. We put that in the win column and then we focus on what's the next thing that we got to compete on. And is it a continuity item or is it a change item? And to be smart. And at the end of the day, Eduardo, I think what we're really talking about is looking at all of reality. Because if we only look at the change side of the equation, that's part of reality. But the other part is what's going to stay the same. And so wouldn't you want to make smarter decisions based on the totality of reality to understand all that's happening? You're going to make smarter, more strategic, more informed decisions for the future of your organization if you take both of these into account. And otherwise, you're, you know playing with half the deck of cards that's been dealt to you. And it's very hard to win hands when you're missing 26 cards. They, they are part of the winning team, and you need to take account of those. Makes sense. Makes sense. And it's interesting how it connects to what you said before, as in this sort of continuity is also part of the desirable future you want to look at and you want to develop, Absolutely. whether it's a Absolutely. week, it's a it's month, a or a year. It's a key piece of it. That's great. Well, Jake, I have no more questions and this has been a fascinating talk. Thanks so much for being here and jumping on board. Again, Jake Jacobs uh, authoring his latest books, Leverage Change. Thank you so much for being here. Wish you all the best and looking forward to having uh, you as a guest on my, one of my podcast episodes in some time in the future. Eduardo, it's been great. I it's have, been great talking to you. I have one last <laughs> offer. A gift. Wow, go go like for it. I didn't know about this. Yes. Right. So here's sure. the gift. Because these levers, I, I mean, they are common sense in a, in an uncommon way. So people don't need deep training to be able to use these, to think and act as if the future were now. You just have to think that way with your macroeconomics. On my website, there's an ebook. It's called 27 Ways to Achieve Faster, Easier, Better Results Immediately. And what people can do is go to this site, jakejacobsconsulting.com, and download for free the ebook. And what the ebook does is it takes each lever and gives you three or four very concrete actions that you can do as soon as you put that ebook down. For instance, you can go to somebody who's resisting your change. And what leverage change says is learn from them. So go to them 
and say, I understand you're having some issues with the change. Tell me more about what these issues are and let's see together if we can find ways to address them. So they're that basic uh, recommendation, but very powerful because they have the concept of leverage behind them. So I invite your readers to go to jakejacobsconsulting.com, download this ebook, and put leverage change to work for you right here and right now. That's amazing. Thank you so much. There is going to be a link on the description of this episode or on the YouTube video, depending on what where you're watching this. But click on the link, download the ebook, and Jake, thank you so much for your offer. It's super kind. And I appreciate your time, Eduardo. <laughs> and I appreciate yours. Thank you so much for being here and wish you the best. Stay safe as usual and talk soon. We'll be in touch. And whoever whoever is listening, thank you so much for giving you this, giving us this half an hour of time. Thank you, stay safe, and talk soon. Thank you for listening. My name is Eduardo Bindazane from EBZ Coaching. I'm a leadership and communication trainer and consultant. And if you have any questions about what you've heard in this episode, please reach out to me via LinkedIn, Facebook, or my website. I'll be answering the most interesting questions on the show. And if you know someone that will benefit from this type of content, please make sure you recommend this podcast to them. Thank you, and see you next time.